Bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barrenes y presidente es la mejor cerveza. Y 818 es el mejor tequila. No abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito Sandiaguito, a.k.a. Bobby Pojo, a.k.a. Bobby Barrels, as he was known in Savannah. Dead or alive, though, job or no job, and we do know he has a job now, we properly salute our boy. <sighs> yes, 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 yes! Woo! Remember this, folks? When we are juiceful, we are useful, and when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. That's right. A very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on the 20th day of September 2023. We are sponsored by 818 Tequila as well as KTT. That's right. We got the skin prep wipes. We have the pro oxygen tape, which basically you put this stuff on and it increases blood flow to the area. It decreases inflammation, promotes recovery. And after my downhill run session yesterday, I got some that definitely is going to be going on my quads. I just posted this video on Instagram. If you want to check it out. If you're on the live broadcast right now, I know JD is. Uh, Collierville, Tennessee, John Davis, a very pleasant good morning to you. So I just fully sent, it actually happened yesterday and I posted it this morning and it's a new sport and think about it because I've never seen it before. Maybe it exists, but I don't know. So they have downhill mountain biking, right? Well, what about downhill running? Just Full fucking foot said. I was three quarters of the way up the ski mountain yesterday. And the track was actually laid with like some tan bark. And I'm looking at it because usually it's just really rocky. I'm like, this is kind of smooth. I wonder what would happen if I just pointed my body downhill and went as if I was skiing. And it was fucking electric. It literally felt like I was falling down the hill. And I couldn't stop. Like, it didn't matter. It took, when I finally decided to slow down, it took 15 seconds, 20 seconds to come to a halt. Like, at least, and it also had to flatten out a little bit. But I woke up this morning. Like, man, why do my fucking quads hurt? So, obviously, uh, that was it. Highly recommend it. Super fun. Now, if you end up going ass over tea kettle, it, it's kind of part of it, right? You have to be willing to understand that there could be these uh, repercussions with the full fucking foot send is going to be uh, the name of it. But... In case you got any blisters, go to KT Tape and you got that little blister prevention thing. I think, and I might be mistaken, but we have a QR code on this. So if you guys hit the QR code, it'll take you to the KT Tape site. And there you can pick up some Chafe Safe. You want to keep that package nice and tight, nice and neat, clean, chafe free. Anyhow, uh, Deuces Wild was wild per usual with Will the Thrill last night. And one of the main things we talked about was the Tom Verducci article that was written about the Giants. And it's interesting because it seems like Will doesn't care for Tom Verducci 
very much. I've worked with Tom before. He's brilliant. He's a nice guy. And he is one of the best writers of our generation. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And he makes some really good points. And for somebody who's never played the game of baseball, his ability to, and I shouldn't say never play the game because he did play, I believe, in college. But for somebody that never played on a professional level, like he knows his shit. And he knows because he's watched a ton of baseball. And I've never been the guy who has said, oh, you had to have been there, you had to have played. That's not true. You could be a really good color analyst so long as you know the game. Now, there is a experience that I do believe is necessary in order to put together what you would call the best broadcast. And in order to truly understand the trenches, well, you had to have fucking fought in them. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know about something that I never did at the professional level, like football. I love football. I could come on here and talk till I'm blue in the face about football. And of course I have all the answers and fantasy and gambling and everything else. But there's a certain something that I would never understand that say my buddy, Zach Walls would. Zach actually was Pat Tillman's roommate, played six years with the Arizona Cardinals. There's just something different with it. And that has always been the knock on Verducci where if he's in a booth, he didn't play. Well, look, let's get beyond that because the guy makes some you know really good points. His breakdowns, almost every one of them I've seen are on point, so to speak. And even with the mechanics of things, he does a really good job. This article ruffled some feathers within, I imagine, the Giants organization. But if you read it, it's fucking true. All the shit that he's talking about. And essentially, he's calling the Giants the most boring postseason contenders. Okay, well, why? It's pretty simple. The starting pitchers throw less than anybody else in the game of baseball, and like significantly less than anybody else. The offense is one of the very slowest in Major League Baseball. They have no stars because they platoon everybody. They've had 13 different number three hitters. And so I'm on last night with one of the most prolific three hitters of all time for the San Francisco Giants. I got to imagine he probably was the most prolific three hitter of all time. And we just knew that 160 games a year, you were going to ink Will Clark's name to the lineup. And yet, in a series in Colorado, the Giants had four different number three hitters in four different games. What the fuck? And I'm sorry about the language. I've been told, uh, we've got to try to clean it up a little bit. Uh, we, we have too many partners. We're going out different. I, I will make a conscious effort. Now, that said, I mean, No Filter Network is No Filter Network. So when the F-bombs come flying, sometimes I just get too passionate to be able to uh, stop myself. So the, the question becomes with all of this and the boring Giants team, and Will Will said it best. He's like, look, dude, it's about winning. And if they're winning this way, I don't think anybody gives a shit. I actually like the concept and idea of it's anybody, anytime. But what are the deficiencies of this Giants team? I think it's pretty simple. It's defense. 
They're dog shit. They have the worst fielding percentage in all of baseball. And then last night, in what was arguably the biggest game of the year, they fucking gave it to them. They absolutely handed the Diamondbacks a win. They jumped out ahead early on the D-backs, 2-0 in the first inning with the Lamont Wade Jr. triple and a Jock Peterson home run. But after that, the wheels fell off. And they had one of their dudes on the mound in Alex Chubb. Well, it unraveled in a hurry. And the big play was not the double-double steal that turned into a fucking circus act. It was Perdomo, the light-hitting middle infielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, hitting in the nine spot, coming up, facing Cobb, who's throwing all sinkers and splitters away. And they had Mitch Hanniger playing like straight up in left field, straight up as the backs. Dude should have been over towards the line. Yet, they have these numbers and statistics that say this is where Perdomo hits the fucking ball. And they decided that that was going to be the case. Well, you have to realize, when you have a dude that is throwing everything that is sinking away from the left-handed hitter, a little guy like that is just going to flare shit the other way. So the ball goes up in the air. It was in the air for a long time. I thought maybe Hanniger could have caught the ball. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, it was in the air for a long, long time. Doesn't catch the ball. The ball falls. Right after that, Corbin Carroll comes up, turns it over the top of the lineup, whack, double down the line. Cattell Marte gets on. They pull the double steal, two more runs scored, and essentially the game is over. And right after that, <laughs> they showed Hanniger on the field, and he's got that laminated card in his hand. And I just got to believe that when you have somebody telling you what to do at all times. And you have 16 coaches. 16. It's overwhelming. It's information overload. It is paralysis by analysis. It doesn't work in the game of baseball some of the best hitters that i've ever seen in my entire life are also some of the stupidest there is direct correlation between having the ability to blank everything out and see ball hit ball there is huge benefits for those in the field who are able to read swings and move over a couple feet here or a couple feet there. So overall, you know, I, I guess uh, you know, entire message with this thing is that I think the Giants are done. They had a decent run. I, I don't know if you want to call it a successful year or not. But if you're thinking, where do they need to improve upon going forward? It would be nice to see a couple guys that are actually fucking regulars. And with that, there's a direct correlation to defense. Because when you're mixing and matching and everybody's a utility player, it becomes difficult. Now, you want utility players for sure. 
You want at least one, maybe two, maybe three. We want guys that can play everywhere. But when you're not playing the same position over and over and over, it's difficult. And it obviously has taken a gigantic toll on the Giants. So it's just a matter of, look, are they playing the game? Yes, they are. And even the idea and concept of the bullpenning and the opener, the Dodgers are messing around with it right now. And they're trying to figure out how we're going to get through the postseason. I, I do think it's brilliant. We used an opener the other day in our championship game in Huntington Beach. And it was a, it was a closure to opener because we started our dude Jagger, who had closed the previous game through one inning and then had him throw the first two innings of a championship game before he turned the ball over to Levi to finish it off. So I think there's great value in that. And I think there's certain things that the Giants do that I commend and I think are awesome. I also will tell you that we know they tried to get Aaron Judge. We know they signed Carlos Cray and then backed out of that. But a, a big free agent sign would be a good place to start. Another starting pitcher that can go beyond five fucking innings, I think, would also be another decent place to go. All right. Daily Hustle quote of the day. To begin, begin. William William Wordsworth. Think about that. To begin, begin. Translation. Just fucking start. It is the start that stops us and it brings up Brian Kane, mental performance coach. Good dude. I miss Kaner. He did a lot of stuff early on with No Filter Network. We got to get his ass back on here. But it's his 45th birthday today. So happy birthday to Brian Kane. And he was really big on it's the start that stops us. And he's right. And it goes into us, as we talk about each and every single morning here on the Daily Hustle. We don't feel our way into acting. We act our way into feeling. So, William, we appreciate the insight. The what the fuck fact of the day. In Switzerland, it's illegal to own just one guinea pig. This makes sense to me. I think it should be illegal to own just one dog or i can make this case it should be illegal to have just one kid people need social interactions relationships like that's life so if you have this poor little guinea pig and he's by himself no you got to give him a buddy just not five like I did. Then it turns into a complete and total shit show. Uh, joke of the day. Why don't melons get married? Anybody? Because they can't elope. Do, do, do. Ah, okay. A 100-year-old doctor. Crazy article. This is actually from last week. No, I take that back. This is even older than that. It says, at 100 years old, I'm the world's oldest practicing doctor. Hopefully, he's still with us. Five things I never do to live a long and happy life. Interesting. When I was born in 1922, the average life expectancy in the U.S. was 58 years old for men and 61 years old for women. So as a 100-year-old practicing medical doctor and neurologist, patients often ask me for tips on how to stay healthy, happy, and mentally sharp. Good genes and a bit of luck can give you a head start, but here are some lifestyle rules I have lived by over the past century. Number one, I don't spend my days retired. Boom. Work until the day you die. It says, I've been working for more than 75 years and was even named as the world's oldest practicing doctor by Guinness World Records. Sarah, my wife of 65 years, 
also still practices psychoanalysis and psychiatry at 89. Number two, I don't let myself get out of shape. Swimming, jogging, hiking, and skiing well into my late 80s has kept me strong and healthy. Why I no longer ski and I'm not quite as active as I once was, I try to get in at least three miles on my treadmill at a brisk pace most of the days. That is awesome. Watching Turner Classic movies in the background helps curb some of the boredom. Number three, I don't smoke. When I was in high school in the 30s, I told my father I wanted to take up smoking. He said, that's all right with me. But why would anyone want to put anything but fresh air into his lungs when life is so short as it is? That immediately took the fun and excitement out of the tobacco. Number four, I don't restrict myself. Hmm. Moderation allows us to live life to the fullest while also keeping us from going overboard and impacting our health in the long run. I'll have a martini and a New York strip steak occasionally, but not every day. Sarah, now this is 89-year-old wife. She's an excellent chef, and she's helped maintain a healthy and varied diet. We have salad with every meal and enjoy greens like bok choy, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts. A real secret to longevity is that there are no secrets, but we live daily and die once. So we must make the most of the time we have. I like that. Number five, I don't let my knowledge go to waste. Having practiced neurology for over seven decades, I've witnessed medicine evolve from lobotomies or lobotomies. Oh, fuck. I, I swear I can read. Having practiced neurology over seven decades, I've witnessed medicine evolve from lobotomies to the latest computerized imaging techniques. I thoroughly enjoy teaching my medical residents and students, and I learn a great deal from them as well. I do agree with that. When you coach or teach what your expertise is, it's a great refresher course in the knowledge that you've accumulated. But I can't tell you how much that I've been able to learn from coaching baseball over the past four or five years. It's opened my eyes to call it new techniques, new strategies, but you have to immerse yourself in it and be willing and open to learn and understand that you don't have all the answers in order to be able to continue to progress. It says, I've also been participating in an upcoming document documentary about my life. It's been a joy to share stories from my long career with the next generation. So uh, thank you, Dr. Howard Tucker, the world's oldest practicing doctor. All right, uh, MLB scores from yesterday. There were games with plenty of playoff implications on the line. It was Tampa 6-2 over Anaheim. Tampa's chasing Baltimore, who was 9-5 winners in Houston. Tampa's 93-59. Baltimore's 95-56. So that'd be two and a half games ahead, Baltimore is, as we come down the home stretch. The... Twins 7 nothing over Cincinnati. I'm going to come back to this game in a second. Miami 4-3. And this has huge implications for the Giants over the Mets. Miami is one of the teams in front of the Giants, as is Cincinnati. But a big walk-off for Jake Berger. And I don't know if you guys have seen this guy. But it is the perfect name for him. I, he's got a shaved bald head, a fucking raccoon perched on his upper lip. He just looks like a burger. And he's gotten some big hits for the Marlins. Yankees, we've talked about this several times. They're trying 
to number one, make a little wrinkle in the postseason when it comes to ruining Toronto's chances, which didn't happen yesterday. It was Toronto seven, Yankees one, but the Yankees are trying to continue the streak of, I don't know, 30 something consecutive winning seasons. It's seven, one Toronto, like I said, Kikuchi with the win for the Bluebirds. Atlanta 9-3 over Philly. It was Spencer Strider getting the W18 and 5 now, 373 ERA. Now a couple of Cy Young candidates were going at it last night, going at it, but they were both pitching last night. The other one was Blake Snell. So Blake Snell went, geez, it was seven innings through just over 100 pitches. And Bob Melvin pulled him from the game. Okay. Now, I would have to ask this. It seems like the move might have been made because Snell is going to become a free agent at the end of this season. And it was sort of a good gesture way of saying, look, Blake, we got you. We're going to protect you. I know it would be nice to get the no-hitter, but, bro, you're going into free agency. You're about to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's step back here and celebrate the terrific performance that most likely locked up the National League Cy Young Award for you and move on. Well, it'd be interesting to see what sort of conversations were had because if I'm Blake Snell, I'm like, give me the fucking ball. This is it. I'm not pitching in the postseason. I'm going to save a boatload of pitches. What's an extra 30? I mean, that'd be it. So he would have gone like 135 max. Who gives a fuck? This is a problem with the coddling of the big league arm. And all of these injuries, they're not going down. They're going up. Let them throw. That said, Bob's my boy. I trust in the decision that he would have made. And who knows? Maybe Blake Snell made it. But the romanticism of baseball, the romanticism of the no-hitter, and this is a Padres team that you know never before until last year had had a no-hitter. Maybe it was a year before. Uh, it was Joe Musgrove, I believe. But, dude, let's get it. So, anyhow, they win 2-0 over the Rockies in San Diego, but Josh Hader gave up a hit in the ninth and it just fucking ruined the whole night. A's 7-2 losers to Seattle. It was 7-6 Kansas City over Cleveland. I mentioned the Giants score, which was 8-4 final in Arizona. The Cubs 14-1 over Pittsburgh. And that was a complete and total beatdown. I don't know how fast the wind was blowing out yesterday at Wrigley, but it literally looked like fucking pop-ups were leaving the yard one after another, after another, but let's take a minute or at least about 30 seconds to sit back and celebrate what Cody Bellinger is doing. He's hitting 310 with an 891 OPS. He had a three run ding dong donkey Kong last night. He has 26 homers on the year. Wow. The kid from Chandler, Arizona that went to the Little League World Series has completely turned his career around. So for his career, he's a 257 hitter, 178 homers now. 516 RBIs, 82 stolen bases, 830 OPS. He's legit. I mean, this is a former MVP that has now got the Cubs on the brink of the postseason. A big win for Texas last night. Bruce Bochy got thrown out of this one. 6-4 winners against Boston. Milwaukee 7-3 over St. Louis. 
And uh, it was the Washington Nationals, 4-3 over the White Sox, and was is pretty much a meaningless game. I bring that up because I did a video yesterday. Again, go to eburns22 on Instagram to check it out. But it broke down the situation in which Mike Clevenger had a shutout going, and then Dom Smith of the Nationals hit a homer, took a little bit of time getting around the bases, looked into the dugout the whole bit. I didn't think it was egregious at all. Apparently, Clevenger did. He didn't appreciate him taking that much time and celebrating, figuring it was a quote-unquote meaningless homer in the ninth inning. Now, I don't think there's such thing as a fucking meaningless homer. A homer's a homer. And either way, Dom Smith, I'm sure, was pumped to run into this ball. And what I said in the videos, it's pretty cut and dry. Look, I, I get both perspectives. The first one being Dom Smith. Bro, guys are doing fucking cartwheels around the bases now. Stopping and dancing at every base. The whole, like, it's just so over the top. So you can't really get mad at that. Josh Reddick even commented on this, on the IG post. He's like, can you get mad at that these days? Like, if it was over the top, I would would understand. Now, Clevenger seems a little old school. And he didn't appreciate it. It was as simple as that. Now, probably too much testosterone flowing around for a couple teams not going to the postseason. Anyhow, we got the games today that will continue. It's going to be Wednesday's usually a lot of early games. And yeah, here we go. It's Philly and Atlanta, the Twins at Cincinnati again. All these are just happening right now. White Sox at Washington, Boston at Texas, Baltimore at Houston. Cleveland at Kansas City, Seattle at Oakland, San Francisco at Arizona, 1240 p.m. start. Colorado at San Diego, and uh, Angels at Tampa. And Tampa's getting a new ballpark, by the way. They're going at Indoor Dome Stadium, but a shit ton of glass. It looks really, really cool. So good for them figuring that out. The Mets are at Miami, Toronto at New York, Pittsburgh at Chicago. So basically polishing off the series for all the games that happened yesterday in Milwaukee at St. Louis. And then tonight, I mean, this is a one-night game, you know, at least on the West Coast. It's going to be the Detroit Tigers and A.J. Hinch taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The other night games would be uh, Tampa, Miami, New York, Chicago, and St. Louis in their respective areas. All right, so speaking of rookies, I take that back. Before I get into that, I want to go back to the Twins-Reds yesterday in Cincinnati. Willie Castro, center fielder for the Minnesota Twins, made a sick play at the wall where he went up and over, pulled it back. Fucking amazing. And... Afterwards, I looked at this again, and this isn't the first time I've seen it. I'm like, what is in his hand? A note card. So Willie Castro robbed a homer when he still had his laminated note card in his right hand. He went up and over. There it was. Oh, my goodness. Look, somebody has got to make this stop for the sake of the game. If you have 16 fucking coaches, you can have one stand on the edge of the dugout and just this, this way, this way, back, in, if you want to move them. But I also want to give my outfielders a little bit of liberty within a small space to go ahead and read the swings and have the instinct. They're really lucky that Willie made that play because the opposite of that was Mitch Hanniger, who had the note card and didn't make the play. But I figured that I would have had, I had to bring it up because of the whole thing that went down with 
the Giants. Okay, uh, the rookies, Corbin Carroll. If you haven't seen this guy play, he's a savage. He is the best rookie in all of baseball. Now, what does that mean? I Look, this is one of the best rookie classes that I've seen in a long time. When you start hearing some of the names that are towards the bottom of this top 10 list, you're going to understand. But Corbin Carroll, who's five foot nothing, weighs 100 times. Dude, him and, and Alex Thomas, the other guy for the D-backs, they remind me of the fighting hydrants. It's like, man, is this Marvin Bernard and FP Santangelo all over again? Except all due respect to Marvin Bernard and FP. These dudes are better. And they're literally, I don't say single-handedly, but Corbin Carroll, he's at the forefront of getting the Diamondbacks into the postseason. It's exciting shit. The play that he made yesterday, where he stole third, and then the ball got away, and then he came racing home, and the third base coach for the D-backs was actually holding him. Goes right through it. They just keep putting the pressure on. And that's what is going to propel this team into the postseason. And if they have any chance of competing in the postseason, that's what's going to have to happen. So here are your top 10 rookies. Should we go 10 down to one? These are the power rankings. Yeah, let's fucking do it. All right. Number 10. James Outman. Bay Area kid, San Carlos. The fact that he's at another ten, uh, number 10, so it's, a, it's a joke. This dude's having a fantastic year. 354 on base percentage. 21 homers. 15 steals and 17 tries. How he's sitting at 10 is beyond me. But when you go to the guy at number nine, it makes sense a little bit. Ellie De La Cruz. Yes, De La Cruz has slumped significantly in the second half, but periodically he still shows flashes of what he can do. He's also moved over to shortstop to cover for the injured McLean, and he certainly deserves some credit for that. De La Cruz is not a finished product. No, he's not. But he's exciting nonetheless. I mean, if you want, just went by numbers, I think you'd have to put Outman in that category. You know, Outman's nickname when he was a kid was Bernsey. That's not a joke. And he would actually, and I, I got to go back and get this video. I have the video. I was just was planning on posting it and trying to figure out the angle with it. But he was on this pregame show. And he had these rapid fire questions. And they asked him who his favorite players to watch were growing up in any sport. And he said Barry Bonds, because every time he came up, you just thought he was going to get a homer. And then he said, Eric Burns. And the reaction by Sierra Santos was like, huh? Eric Burns? Like, seriously? And she goes, well, that's a first. Sarah, what the fuck? Seriously? Come on. I ain't no chump. That's bullshit. Just because you didn't pay attention. Just because you don't care. Other people did. Hey, I tried hard. Made an impact. Royce Lewis is number eight. It says, while uh, Lewis has played, he actually just got hurt, by the way. He's like, I don't know, a twinge hamstring or quad or something. He's been absolutely brilliant. He just hasn't played enough. His batting line for the season, 310, 372, 543. Jeez. Lewis has dealt so extensively with injuries already, and he's dealing with another one. He's hoping he can finally get a long run to stay healthy, and we can see what he can do on an everyday basis. Number seven. 
Masakaka Masataka Yoshida, outfielder, Boston Red Sox. Masataka surged in July and faded since then, but his body of work remains strong. He has been eclipsed by his teammate thanks to a 240, 268, 375 second half line, but it's still a very nice first full season in the big leagues. And like Casas, that's Tristan Casas, Yoshida is sure to show up on some ballots when AL Rookie of the Year voting is revealed. So here's number six. Also the Boston Red Sox, Tristan Casas. This dude's got some serious thump. Casas is yet another name on the injured list at the end of an excellent season. It's about the only blemish on him. However, as Casas offered the kind of power and on-base ability that the Red Sox had long hoped for, he doesn't provide quite the defense or all-around game of someone like a Gunnar Henderson, but purely for offensive production, he's been as good as anyone in the American League, okay? Number five, Tanner Bybee. At this point, Bybee's hot streak is more like a hot half season. He has not allowed more than three runs, and he starts since June. That's incredible. A stretch of 16 consecutive outings. Not innings, outings. During that time, is the 2-5 ERA, 96 strikeouts, in 93 and two-thirds innings, 31 walks. Unfortunately, he, too, is on the injured list. I'm just not taking a guy like that. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it's nice. But he's injured. And the numbers, although they're impressive, are they better than Outman's? Yeah. Number four, Matt McClain, UCLA kid. About the only thing McLean is missing is playing time. His 293, 57, 507 line is stellar. And he's been playing a quality shortstop for a surprising Reds team. If he's debuted, if he debuted on opening day or had not gone on the injured list three weeks ago, he might very well be mounting a serious challenge to Carroll as a National League Rookie of the Year. Yes, I agree with that. Number three, Kodai Senga. New York Mets. Senga's brilliant stretch run has made the NL rookie conversation a little more, the NL rookie conversation a little bit more interesting that might have otherwise not been. Over his last four starts, he has 37 strikeouts and a 175 ERA, and he's closing in on 200 Ks for the season. Senga still walks a few more hitters than you'd like, but he's been everything the Mets could have wanted. And it's hard to imagine he won't be a finalist for the rookie of the year. Number two, and you got to believe this is going to be your American League rookie of the year, Gunnar Henderson. Much like Carroll, Henderson pretty much checks every box you would want for a rookie of the year favorite. He's been in the majors all year long, enabling him to rack up some big numbers. His rate stats are also strong, and he's played strong defense at a key position. All for a team that is in the postseason hunt. There's just about nothing else you could ask from them. And then the numero uno rookie that we saw on full display last night, helping the D-backs down the Gigantes, Corbin Carroll. Carroll's power has waned a bit in the second half of the season, but his overall numbers are indisputable. He's got an all-around. He's been an all-around contributor with the bat. Steals bases, go gets it in the outfield. He's no longer a fringe MVP candidate. So, uh, he's, he's actually, he's a candidate. Like, legit. I don't know if it's enough to be a serious MVP contender. It's not because of Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman. Uh, Matt Olson, who am I? I'm missing one of the. Big four there. But, yeah, Corbin Carroll's name definitely needs to be in the conversation. So there is your number one rookie. All right, let's hit a little weather just because it's been a while. We gotta be, uh, I think we're down to two minutes before the alarm goes off, and it means we are done here. Uh, I'd like to thank our partners at Caffeine TV and Believe Podcast Network, as well as the 15 other platforms that we're firing out on. 
if you want to come catch us live, if you want your own personalized weather report, we are here for you. Uh, go ahead and come to nofilter.net. Typically, we'll go live in that eight to nine hour. And you guys can fire away in the chat. You can even hit the knock button, potentially come on screen to go ahead and interact. So let me just find the weather here. Uh, currently in Truckee, California, 64 degrees. Going to be a high of 72. This looks like a lake day. Huh. I was wondering what I was going to do after this. Paddleboard is one of my new favorite uh, workouts. And then, let's see. Let me see here. 16. This is when my ADD completely takes over as I bring multiple devices into the equation. All right. Like I mentioned, in truck is going to be a high of about 70 today. Lucas, Texas, Paul Bart. Holy shit, man. You guys got thunderstorms and lightning, 83 degrees out there in the Lucas, Dallas, Grayford, Texas area. Uh, by the way, Kurt Sarlos and TCU baseball team heading out to Rockerby Ranch. I thought that was really, really cool. And yes, Bart, I do want to uh, get out there. That would be an amazing trip. Ooh, and there goes the... Listen to it. It's almost scary, but since we started the weather, we're going to finish the, the weather. Why? Oh, there we go. RJ, Boise, Idaho. Good morning to you, dude. 59 degrees, high of 70, low of 48. South Haven, Mississippi. 73 degrees, high of 76, low of 60. Orchard Park, New York. The Busey Brothers, Pat. Home of the Buffalo Bills, 65 degrees, high 68, low of 48. Germantown, Tennessee, Jesse Burns, my brother from another mother. 71 degrees, high of 78, low of 56. Montgomery, Alabama, home of the Biscuits. 82 degrees, high of 85, low of 62. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, good morning to Duncan Dad and company. 71 degrees, high of 75, low of 52. John Emmanuel Ramos Henderson in Makati City. Happy midnight. That's what it is out there. We're international once again, motherfuckers. 82 degrees, high of 91, low of 79. Hemet, California, Stephen Luker, 62 degrees, high of 77, low of 59. Bakersfield, Buckwheat, good morning, dude. 75 degrees, high of 87. That's a little toasty still. Low of 68. Fresnek, we got Brothers Matoyan, 72 degrees, high of 88, low of 63. Savannah, Georgia, land of the Platinos. 82 degrees, high of 83. Las Vegas, Nevada. Michael, good morning. Keep the reels coming. 79 degrees, high of 89, low of 69. Gary Tagliafico, we have no idea where the fuck you've been. But it's 63 degrees, high of 71, low of 57. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Amo, big Braves fans. Got to be really enjoying this year. 78 degrees, high of 82, low of 58. Duluth, Minnesota. Good morning, Gene. 72 degrees, high of 76, low of 58. Auburn, California, sunny. It's going to be 80 degrees today, currently 68. To, uh, go ahead and bask in the sun. If you're the Montgomery family, the Griffins, Pontarolos, Riegers. Phoenix, Arizona. Holy shit, Michelle Drew and Kowalski were under 100 degrees. Panels were open last night. Currently 81, high of 99. New York, Chief Waters, 72 degrees. High of 76, low of 58. And then... Half Boom Bay, California, Giuseppe, Pepe, Manuele, 61 degrees high, 66, low of 56. A mix of sun and clouds throughout the day. All right, of all the shows, that was certainly one of them. And let's go out with a little great quotes from great leaders. It's a cool book. My dad gave me a little description here. Eric, toward greater success and enjoyment dad i'm gonna go to a random page 
And here it is. Yeah, why not? Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Winning is not something you don't do things right once in a while. Winning is not a sometime thing. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. There is only one way to succeed in anything, and that is to give it everything. I do, and I demand that my players do. Confidence is contagious. So is the lack of confidence. Leaders aren't born. They are made. They are made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay to achieve any goal which is worthwhile. Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. True. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. The price of success is hard work, dedication to the job, and the determination that whether we win or lose, we have applied the best of ourselves to the task at hand. Thank you. A classic picture right here to Vince Lombardi. All right. Back at you tomorrow with the DH. Everyone have a fantastic day. And one more thing. Actually, before that, if you can, leave a review on the pod. Hit the five stars if you think this is worthy of it. If not, don't worry about it. Give me one star. I don't give a shit. Review it anyway. Write a little review. Whatever I could do different to help you guys in your lives. First and foremost, we're a life optimization podcast. So if there's more of that you'd like to see, whatever. But go ahead and write a review under Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever this is. And uh, we'd appreciate it. That's it. See ya!